Welcome to Disrespectfully Agree with Oatman and LJ. I am LJ. Across from me is Mr. Oatman. Hello, everybody. This is the O to the A to the T. What's good? We've been away for a bit. We had a rough January. (laughs) Uh, Both of us became deathly ill. We were also both doing a show in which I was a participant and had to perform and had no voice for a good chunk of January. Got it back just in time, mostly. So, yeah, we haven't been back as quickly as we wanted, but we're back now, February, one month late. And we're going to start off with the third film in the Unbreakable Trilogy, 19 Years in the Making. M. Night Shyamalan's Glass. We don't have time to go into all of the unbreakable machinations and ups and downs and so on, but we may have to come back to this, those movies, for later episodes. But real quickly, Oatman, what was your take on Unbreakable? Now, I I guess I should preface this. Since this is the third film in that trilogy, we're probably going to say a few things here and there that would spoil both Unbreakable and Split. We're going to start off talking about Glass as general reaction-y as we can, we will unfortunately have to get into spoilers, and if you have not seen Glass, and you plan to, and especially if you haven't seen the first two films, Unbreakable and Split, we're going to spoil those, and there's no way around that at a certain point. So if you haven't seen those and you plan to, you might want to come back to that part of the episode. I'll let you know when that happens. But for now, Oatman, real quick, what was your take on Unbreakable 19 years ago? Oh, wonderful. I thought it was really clever. And it was one of those one, one of those things where once I realized what it what it was, I realized how how well he had disguised it. Which was a secret superhero movie. Secret superhero movie. I I just thought it was brilliant. The acting was good, uh the ending was good, the the tricks were good, the photography were good. I just loved it. Thought it was just one of my favorite films. Yeah, Unbreakable uh, blew me away. I, I enjoyed The Sixth Sense. I thought it was good, and it was a you know a phenomenon. And this was his follow-up, which I don't think was nearly as successful, but I think became my favorite Shyamalan film. And I was excited for this guy until Signs happened, um, which isn't bad, but is kind of bad. And, you know, the rest is history. So Split comes out, and that turned out to be a secret Unbreakable sequel. Yeah. And that was, what, a couple of years back? Two, yeah, three good, years ago? Good, solid film. Certainly not to the level of Unbreakable, but solid. It was it was a solid, for what it is, it was one of those things where it was kind of a an actor's vehicle yep. kind of thing. It was a, a little showy in parts, but I, I would forgive it that. Had a really great ending, sort of a surprise appearance of Bruce Willis where we realized, oh, wait a minute, this is the sequel to, sort of the unofficial sequel to Unbreakable. I thought it was, it was fabulous. Uh, a really solid film. You know, not great but solid. Good. It, it, it accomplished its goal. Shyamalan has teamed up with Bloomhouse, which is a, a small horror, mainly horror film uh, studio, if you want to call it that, production house. And he self-funds these things. He self-funded, the, what was it, The Visit uh, a few years back. Good movie. And then Split, he self-funded and with a little bit more budget. And then here's Glass with even more. I think it's somewhere around $20 million. And I was skeptical going into this. But I was open to it. How say you? Glass? Yeah. Super excited. Okay. Super excited. I was Why? Re- well, because I liked the first one, and, and he has some of the principles back. All of them. I mean, the, what's shocking to me is— Even the kid. Even the kid. When, I, when we first see the kid, I was like, that guy looks familiar. <laughs> yeah. And then he says, Dad. I'm like, 
That is the that's same. That's the kid. same kid. Yeah. Like I, I, I just thought I, I just really, you know, for me, Unbreakable is one of those movies that just sort of. I don't know, it just set a bar for me. And then, and I even compare other films against it in some ways. Like there was a film that came out some years ago called Slight that to me very much tried to borrow from the unbreakable mode of I'm going to make a, a superhero movie that's kind of a hidden superhero movie kind of, kind of thing. For the uninitiated real quick, Unbreakable was basically what if it, – it's basically the most realistic superhero movie you're going to get. It's like this is the real world. He's not – like flying, he's not Superman or anything like that, but he he is just like a step above in terms of strength and invulnerability and that kind of thing. So it's a more realistic take. So Glass comes along, you're excited, you saw it, now yeah. what? Uh, but it was horrible. I just think it was horrible. Well, this is unfortunate. Well, I just think it's one of those things that once the secret to me, the first one is almost like a joke in which now you know the punchline. Mm-hmm. So once you know the punchline, you have to take it somewhere different. You can't surprise. You don't think he did? Oh, he did. He tried to. He tried to basically recreate the same thing he did in the first one, which I think was a total egotistical mistake. You can't create sort of a film that's that's rooted in reality, and then in the end we realize no, it's really a superhero film. Well, we know it's a superhero film now, so you have to take it someplace else. You know, it's kind of like it reminds me when uh, uh what's this, the guy uh, Riddick. The Chronicles of Riddick, and right. they did the first one, which was... Uh, pitch Black. Pitch Black, which was great, and I love Pitch Black. But when they got some more money, mm-hmm. and they did The Chronicles of Riddick... Which is a great film. Which is a great film. They took it somewhere else. I liked Pitch Black. I thought it was good, real good. You, you and I, and I think five other people, think Chronicles of Riddick is great. I love... Chronicles Everybody Riddick. else thinks that movie's a They're joke. They're nuts. <laughs> I, I think it's awesome. It's great. And part of what made it awesome... There's is, some dumb stuff in it, but it's oh yeah, great. It's, I mean, it's, there's some... <laughs> It's a Vin Diesel movie. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's on some level it's gonna be problematic. There's some dumb just, stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, just but what I liked about it is they didn't sort of give into the temptation of trying to create another art movie. Mm-hmm. They said, Hey, we got a little more money, mm-hmm. we got a little more behind this film, let's tell a more expansive story. Right. And that's what I felt like M. Night Shyamalan could have done. First movie was almost an He doesn't art. have the money for that though. Well, he could have the money for that. Well, I don't know if anybody's funding him. Well, even even with his own even with his own money, there's some things that he could have done beyond what he's doing here that would have made it more expensive. I guess that it, this he could have expanded the world of this. I mean, if nothing else, I was just talking to somebody the other day about the film uh, Counterpart. And Counterpart is a science fiction film that has very little science fiction. It's a series, but it creates an entire larger world that exists. So it's possible to expand the world even with a more reduced budget. And I think there are things he could have done that could have expanded this a little beyond what we saw. Mm. I just thought it was very, very disappointing. It was like... I mean, they never leave the mental institution, essentially. This, this could, yeah. It, I mean, I mean, it just, it was just some of the choices were so stupid. I mean, half the film, Sam Jackson is sitting there babbling. I mean, okay, enough. Not, we, e- not even babbling. Yeah, he's just, just silent. Yeah, yeah, he's just sitting there silent. Okay, we get it. He's pretending to be silent, but you can't actually have him be silent half the damn film. You, 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 you got Sam Jackson. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, I found it just drove me to distraction. You have the kid in there who I think was very interesting. Which one? Uh, his kid who plays his son. Oh, uh, David Bruce Dunn's was, kid. Yeah, uh, yeah, David Dunn's. I thought some of that stuff was interesting, but they really do nothing with the kid. This movie suffers from oddly a split personality, pardon the pun, 
problem because it, it's trying to serve all masters and it's really serving none. It, it's it wants to be a sequel to Unbreakable and a sequel to Split, and it wants to be a glass movie, and it's kind of none of them. It's it's. I agree. The way this movie treats David Dunn, I think, is horrible. It, it's. <laughs> I was deeply disappointed in that. We, I don't want to get into the ending just yet, but the way this movie ends and treats this character at the end Ridiculous. is abhorrent. Makes no sense. Or glass for that matter. I mean, it basically, I don't know what. Now, now you've already spoiled the end. I'm, I'm sorry. I, didn't, I mean, I didn't mean to, but I'm just saying it's, it's, it was so nonsensical. And it was like, it reminded me of what you said about one of the Star Wars movies. Which where, one? Uh, I think it was the one where they showed the dark Sith and he had robot legs. Oh, and, yeah. And and about, that was at the end of Solo. And you were talking about how the filmmaker was always like, huh? Yeah. See? Yeah, see? See Look that? that? Remember see that? that? Remember that? Yeah. There were a lot of moments like that in, in, sure. in Split. Like, see? See Here, that? Huh? I've got a lot. Of, now, let me preface this a little bit by saying... Most of the time I'm watching this, I'm, you know, I'm trying to turn my brain off a little bit. I'm like, okay, all right, whatever. I knew the reviews were bad going into it. Oh, see, I didn't read them. Uh, I didn't either. I just looked at the score beforehand, and, and it, it's, they were bad. it's bad. And I was like, well, I'm still going to keep an open mind about this. And for most of the movie, I'm like, this, isn't, this doesn't seem as bad as those reviews are saying. Then the third act happens, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, all right. I thought it was horrid. And, and let me tell you his worst scene. Okay. Like, like we were just talking about the Chronicles of Riddick. And I know a lot of people who watched Pitch Black, they were very disappointed in the Chronicles of Riddick. See, I wasn't as big a fan of Pitch Black as a lot of people. And I Chronicles said, was finally like, okay, now this oh, is, I, I can get I liked, into this. I liked both of them. And, and I liked that they were completely different. But what, one thing I can say that they did in Chronicles of Riddick, you can criticize a lot of it, but you can't say it was boring. I was sure. bored stiff. I'll agree. In the first uh, two thirds of this film, Act Two is especially oh, dull. Just mind-numbingly dull. I mean, if nothing else, don't be boring. We're really spinning our wheels, especially in Act Two. Yeah, don't don't be boring. I mean, be bad. I would rather you be big and bad than just be small and boring. And, and you you make the observation is very true. You talk about at the end of the film what they do to David Dunn. What they do to him through the whole film. Yeah, he's really. really Sidelined. I mean, they. I mean, they almost treat him like he's an ancillary figure in the mm-hmm. whole thing. They almost reduce him. I mean, and no, no offense, but why are we giving screen time to uh, Glass's mom? Would you get her ass out of that? Why yeah. is she there? Why is the little girl from Split there? Why? Why are we giving them screen time? Like, if it would have been me, those two characters would have been gone. I would have done something with David Dunn's kid because I loved the stuff where they had created like this system. He was of, the he was Batman's oracle. He was oracle. Absolutely, there, he was basically yeah. oracle, sort of orchestrating from the, the the pet shop or whatever shop they had. I thought some of that stuff had real good potential. And what was cool about it is, even on a constrained budget, you could have some really good storytelling just around that stuff. It's not special effects heavy. It's more character driven. Like, you would have given us some of that. That would have been fascinating. Mm-hmm. And at some point, they have to leave the nut house. They, 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 they gotta leave that place. I mean, and go out into the world and have some kind of adventure. I'm sure that Joseph Campbell, was somewhere spinning in his grave because <laughs> they never left the damn cove. I mean, they got to get out into the world and have well, their adventure yeah, well, and go that, through their trials. And, and I feel like they never had the trials that you need for this kind of film. It just broke my heart. That's where a lot of this felt like, oh, well, this is on a budget. It felt like a budget film. Uh, you know, it's funny. I I didn't realize that part of it 
until you just said it. But you're right. This is a guy <laughs> who can't afford a special effects budget. Yeah, I didn't know what the budget was going into it, but like at every turn, I'm like, seems like they're not, they don't have a, like they have two and a half locations for this thing. <laughs> you, and, and, and what's funny about it is the storyline is actually workable. The, the storyline, the idea of, and, and we're, I'm about to get into a spoiler here. All right. Warning, everybody. Warning. If you've not watched film and you plan to, skip this, come back to it. The, the idea that there is this organization that is fearful of, and I thought this was a very interesting idea. And, and this one has been explored, it's just been explored in the Marvel Universe as well. But the idea that we don't just fear supervillains, we also fear the hero too. Mm-hmm. We, we kind of fear them all. Yeah. And we need to keep tabs on them all. Like, that's something you could have done something with, that notion. It takes the Batman idea. Like, once you have a Batman, now you have super villains to go alongside it. Exactly. So having the hero is problematic because it creates super villains as well. Exactly. And we have to sort of keep tabs on all of them. And I thought that was something that it's not an original storyline, but you could have done something with it. But it that. does, interest, interestingly, it explains why there aren't superheroes. In that universe, yeah, because they've been taking care of that. They've been, they've been, they've been knocking them out. Um, which is an interesting idea, and handled incredibly poorly in this film. <laughs> incredibly poorly, like you know, it's like, why are you trying to? If you're a dark organization, why not just throw them all in a hole and b- put a bullet in their head? Well, that, I mean, Sarah Pauly is trying to this new thing. She's trying to be humane. This is the new humane way of trying to handle this. Yeah. But having only three days to do it is ridiculous. So let me go. Let me go back for a second. One thing about Shyamalan, it, like you get to the end of this movie, I'm like, damn Shyamalan. He Shyamalan us twice at the end of this thing. And the the thing that was that worked about both Unbreakable and The Sixth Sense is that the movie still makes sense before you get to the twist. Definitely. The twist informs and changes your perspective on everything that's happened. But it doesn't but, invalidate everything. But it doesn't invalidate everything. But I wasn't sitting there as an audience member thinking, well, none of this makes sense. Well, that's a bad choice. Well, why is that happening? This seems stupid. And that's how I felt through the first two thirds of this movie. It's like, why is that happening? That's an idiotic idea. That seems dumb. Why is this happening? This doesn't make sense. And I didn't know if it was because Shyamalan's screwing up or there's something that'll form it later. And the problem here is that the twist at the end makes all of the dumb stuff that didn't make sense to the audience suddenly make sense, which is a horrible way to go about a twist ending. Like, the whole movie, I'm like, this is bad. But I want to challenge you on that. Does it? Make sense? Yeah. Does well, it? there's things, there, there are still problems, like, there's still problems. Yeah, I mean... I, but, but the... But the things he, that, this, as a director, the things he's setting up, I'm like, well, that seems like a bad choice. This is what I'm he like, does. Like, oh, well, that's why he did that. This is what he does all the time. M. Night Shyamalan is like a guy who tells a bad joke that he thinks is funny and no one else does. And so he's one of these guys that gets obsessed with a certain plot point and then reveals it like, uh-huh. And it's See like, what I did there? And it's like, that is unmoving to me. And those stakes are stupid. Yeah. I'm not invested in the stakes that you think are important. I, you know, he, he, did, he does that, you know, like he'll reveal something he's been setting up the whole film. Hey, I got a bat now. I'm going to swing at aliens. That's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> That's stupid. I, don't, I know you've been building up the whole film. That's idiotic. And so this, this notion, oh, that's why the cameras were here. This yeah. genius was setting it up. On- no, he wasn't because he. That's stupid. <laughs> because he he's the worst magician in the world. <laughs> the 
I mean, they talk. She talks about Sarah Polly talks about magicians, like oh, it's this magic trick and blah blah blah. And the sleight of hand in this is so poorly executed because he belabors on certain shots to illustrate. There's like five seconds on setting up this camera out front. There's this long establishing shot of the asylum, and you see this pothole with like cones all around it, and next to the water tank. I was like, well. I guess that's going to be a thing. Yeah, like, okay, clearly David's going in there. Yeah, like, I'm like, it, like, why is a water tank in the front of an asylum anyway? Because, because they need that for the, you know, the room. Whatever. It's just, at every turn, you're just like, you're the worst magician. It just made no sense. And here's, here's, here's my biggest, here's the biggest sin of this why film. Is, why is Sam Jackson stupid all of a sudden? Like, he's not stupid. He's been medicated, heavily medicated. Yeah, but, but at the end, he's lucid. So why is he still stupid? What's he stupid about? This plan that he's gonna that he's gonna awaken the superheroes by. Sh- oh well, yeah, you're. Well, okay, so here we go. This, isn't this the age <laughs> of the internet? Yeah. Like, why does he need to both? I guess kill himself. Why is that something? He, why can't he escape? Well, here's the biggest. Get in a cab. Uh, get an iPhone and accomplish that in some other way. Like that makes no sense to me. It's stupid. It's almost like he's making a film in the 50s or something. Yeah, well, here's the thing. This movie makes more sense if it were made 18 years ago. This film makes more sense if it was made 50 years ago. Maybe, but the the idea in this day and age, you know, the whole last scene where they, they're like, we uploaded it two hours ago, and you're like, well, who gives? So? And you go to this weird <laughs> train station yeah, to watch the reaction. I'm like, look, a million videos get posted to YouTube every day. And most people never see them. And something like this is so easily faked. Exactly. It's, there, un, it's nothing, unconvincing. There's nothing particularly amazing about, about that it. Footage. There's nothing. I, I think. And I would. And if I were to see that footage, I'd be like, Next. "All right, you know, it's more. Okay. You know, it's more amazing. A cat playing piano. I, I think guess. that that to me that draws me to a video more than the video that they put together to awaken other. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, the, the the that premise is is inherently flawed and silly. But here here's the biggest sin of the film to me. Oh, there are so many. There are many, but this is the biggest one. There are things about this when when Mr. Glass is talking. It seemed to me like, and also his mom. It seemed to me like this. Who is how old? Oh, she's, you know. She's 90, right? Well, wearing makeup, I don't know. But she has to be at least 90. She's old. Sam Jackson is about, what, 67, something like that? Yeah, don't worry about that. So she's, I'm just saying, she's 90, right? Don't don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, No, don't dig in, right? No, don't don't worry about it. (laughs) So there's two things. One is, it feels to me like, apparently he loves comic books. And there were things in Unbreakable, I seem to recall, that I was like, hmm, I don't know about your comic book knowledge here, but then we get to this movie and it seems like it's written by a guy who looked up comic books on Wikipedia. (laughs) Uh, Like here's comic book facts from Wikipedia. Uh, I'm clearly more knowledgeable than 90% of the audience. Unfortunately, we're all incredibly familiar with comic books, especially these days, given the preponderance of the films. But the biggest sin, it made me think maybe unbreakable is not as good as I remember. Ooh, that's rough. Maybe I'm going to have to go watch this movie again and be like, was I wrong about that film? Was was I deluded? I'm going to have to revisit this now and see if maybe I've been living a lie. No, not 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 at all, and I'll tell you why. Because M. Night Shyamalan, more than any filmmaker that I know, within his body exists the potential 
for absolute greatness and absolute calamity. Like there's the biggest distance between the two. There are filmmakers who are horrible. There are filmmakers who are great and then make a film that's just good. But you have very few filmmakers that have this much of a range yeah. where you can be going in and seeing Citizen Kane or you could be watching Howard the Duck. It could go either way with this guy. Yeah. I mean, it, it just that's M. Night Shyamalan. Like he, he had a couple films that I thought were wonderful. Yeah. And then other ones that are just unbearably bad. Like Lady in the Water is, ama- um, is, is a remarkable monstrosity. <laughs> At every turn, uh, the happening is a disaster. Hey, wind is coming. Yeah, they're running away from wind. It's a windstorm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he, he just... Let's and, name, and let's name Avatar his... The Last Airbender was just... Why did you have to do that? He took one of the greatest animated series of all time. Let's, let's name the wonderful ones. All right, Six Sense, Unbreakable. Unbreakable. End of list. No, I, I disagree. I think even though I don't think this film is not as good as these other films, but I think that Devil is a, a solidly good film. Devil is the first. I remember this. Solidly good film. I guess I have to see it. but it, Oh, you've never seen it? No, I've never seen it because this was it. We had this discussion before. We, That's right. We did. And I, I just want to briefly say I love this. This is one of my favorite memories of going to the movies in a theater. I don't even remember what movie uh, I was saying, but there were, tra- you know, the trailers before the movie. And we get to this trailer of people in an elevator and it goes to black and something weird's happening on the elevator. And then a title card comes up and says, from the mind of M. Night Shyamalan. And the audience, everybody in that theater audibly laughed their asses off. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's over for him. <laughs> He's done. <laughs> well, here, here are his four. And I, and I go, great, very good. What I would say. The two great ones, obvious. Devil was good. And I think, and we disagree on this too, uh, I think Split was really good. thought that was really I, good. I don't think it's bad. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's fine. It's a solid film. It's not a great film, it's but fine. it's a solid film. Those are the four you got. And then you get other ones that are just like, wow, that's bad. And, and I even thought the one that had the stupid ending where they were in like the nature preserve. The Village, I, I actually was, kind of liked yeah. until until the twist was, yeah, it was oh, just, there's nothing. Yeah, that, that the film... Falls apart literally in the last frame. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, that was awfully disappointing. That's too bad. Up until then, it's really gone. And you got somewhere. some great performances in that film. Yeah, uh, Bryce Howard, I think. That's she was amazing. Of, that's one of her step-out films. I uh, thought that was really good. Just a really weird ending. And I would put that in the good film category, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the ending was standing. It kind of ruins it. Uh, I don't think it totally ruins it. I just thought it was a, and it's what I say that is an M. Night Shyamalan trait where he, he comes up to this thing and he's like, huh? Yeah, he can't help himself. Huh? And, and that's like, and that's what happened in this film. It's like you just no. can't help yourself, can you? <laughs> like, no, that's, M. Night, that's not good. That's not how, uh, you, you and, know, and so back to the ending, the, David he, Dunn. What's the, what's the lady that's with Conan O'Brien? Uh, Somna, what's her name? Oh, Sona. Sona. He needs a Sona around him. Needs, yeah, to just bring him down he, to yeah, earth. He needs a mouthy assistant that says, "Boss, that's not good." No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, he, he does. He, he, there's there's a bit. There's some George Lucas and M Night. Yeah, and I um, think I get your meaning. I get you. you, you know, know, like like remember when you when you told me not to do the Benny Hill bit. Don't Which, do the Benny Hill bit. <laughs> Which, Ladies and gentlemen, can I? I, I, if it please the court, may I offer <laughs> the man's directing Driving Miss Daisy. And during one of the scenes, and then LJ came up with the suggestion. 
I came up with a joke suggestion. Like he, Oatman had this idea. It's like, all right, so you're having a scene with it's Bully and Hoke having a scene in the car, and I'm and I want Miss Daisy chasing a lawyer in the background. I was like, what, like a Benny Hill sketch? And you're like, yes. Can we get that music? I'm like, are you out of your mind, LJ? You complete me. You're out of your mind. I got to stop making bad suggestions to you. <laughs> I still think it would have been good. You're but. out of your you're out of your GD mind, sir. <laughs> it would have been a disaster. <laughs> I'm telling you, audiences love that stuff. But you do need somebody who kind of can give you a different look at it as a creative. You, you you need that, and I think M Night Shyamalan needs another creative perspective to sometimes tell him, M Night, you have a lot of greatness in you, but that is not it. Just yeah. don't do that. And here should have been my first clue that we were on bad territory early in the film m knight reprises his role from unbreakable for no reason and he's got this little thing hey didn't you work at the stadium he's like yeah yeah you know i used to hang out there with a bunch of bad fellas but you know i turned it all around m knight m knight what are you doing man and just on a side you just can't help yourself on a side note what's with the perm i'm I don't want to get personal. What's with the hair choice? I don't know. That, that was that was not my biggest concern. <laughs> I, I must admit. Well, you know, once I saw that hair, uh, I had to multitask because that bad boy. What's going on with the ultra perm, uh, M Night? I'm just saying. I don't know. You got to stop this. You got to yeah. you got to knock it off, man. I, I agree. It just to stop. But uh, I will. Uh, why, it, why can't he partner with a larger studio? Because they will not take him. He made the visit on his own dime. It was like whatever, oh, you know six what? million or whatever it was. I will put the visit in a good film category. It's okay. a good film. And Did he, you see it? No, I didn't see it. I don't like horror movies. We wonderful. About. It's, yeah, it's sort of a horror movie, but more of a suspense. Wonderful twist at the end. So he made that on his own time, and he took it to every studio, and nobody nobody would take it. The only ones who finally took it was Bloomhouse. Good, good film. Who were, you know, they're the new... They're the new horror studio, and they do a lot of like low budget horror films. I mean, they put out Get, Get out. out, but in any case, yeah, it, it's bad. It, you know, but I don't think it's as bad as a lot of the reviews seem to imply. It's it's what uh, Glass? Yeah, Glass. No, Glass is horrible. And this is this is my this is my sign. It's just bad. Oh, it's horrible. It's this is my disappointing. Sign. This is the biggest sign for a film that I have been dying to see. I dozed off. In, in the first part, I dozed off twice. Well, you fall asleep in movies you no, like. No, 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 I don't. <laughs> Not for you know, I don't, I don't doze off to you know Infinity Wars. I don't, I don't doze off. Well, this I, is an Infinity War. Come on. Well, but but for me, it was okay. Like for me, I had that level of anticipation to see this film. I didn't like Unbreakable. I loved that film. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, uh, I was dying to see this film. I dozed off twice. And it wasn't because I was tired. I just I found it deathly boring. To me, being boring is worse than being bad. I would rather be campy and bad than be boring. And I found a lot of these shots of Samuel Jackson sitting in a chair and he's winking. And you know what? I got tired of the cheerleaders that came back three different times. You know, enough. Yeah, but that was over in the first, you know, 20 minutes, man. Yeah, but that's a big part of the film. I mean, and then they, they kind of come back again. It's just too much. It just was dull. And we're in that dull setting. And I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I dozed off. Let me say something nice about the movie. Okay, go for it. Now, as much as I hate how they treated uh, Bruce Willis's character and also Samuel Jackson's character, the characters, if you love Unbreakable, you care about the most. James McAvoy, you know, tour de force, still oh, killing it. Good. Absolutely. And he, he sadly, I mean, sadly, 
He's for good. fans of Unbreakable, he has the most to do here. Absolutely. And he has to, he has he's the only one with a real arc. Absolutely. I mean, he has a real It's it's more a movie about him and the girl he abducted in the in Split when than he it dies, is about any of the other characters. When he dies, that moment There's that real he has, pathos there. There's oh, that's a real moment that he has with the girl and a absolutely. real His death scene is a great death scene. Exactly. The other two now, now, who are supposed to be Samuel L. Jackson's death scene isn't great, but at least there's something to it. And then there's David Dunn's death scene. By again, again, you know, spoilers for all this, which is just the most Dog. insulting, stupid death scene I can imagine for that character. I yeah, was appalled. It, it was appalling. I was, but here's the thing: we disagree on this. I was appalled at Sam Jackson's death. It wasn't great. It was awful, and it, it, it almost made him like a suicide. Like it was a suicide. That's what I'm saying. That's idiotic. I, I just, to me, that's inconsistent with who he is. I, I just thought, oh, that's very disappointing. Yeah, it's it's that's M Night saying, I'm I'm not doing any more of these movies. I, I guess. And you get to the end of this movie, you're like, yeah, good choice. My my <laughs> only hope is is that. This gets old enough that 30 years from now, some young filmmaker can pick up these characters and accomplish what M. Night Shyamalan sorely failed at. Because this was a disaster. I thought it was terrible. I really did. And a lot of the terrible has to do with the gap between my anticipation and what I actually saw. You know, maybe if I just was, you know, walking in fresh and didn't know anything, maybe I wouldn't be as hard on it. But I just thought... You just kind of squandered all of these really, really good characters and then put these other loser characters in there that have nothing to do. And I, and I will give you, you know, now that I'm saying that to go against myself, I do like to sing where McAvoy dies and the girl is there for yeah, that. And, and you need her for that. Yep. I, I, I'll grant you that. But I don't know why mom's there. Yeah, we don't need her. We don't. And, with that, with and that they really make up. And David wear. Dunn's son, they really just kind of forget about. Yeah, I mean, we, they don't do anything with them, and I and I I liked. I thought there was some. Given their relationship in the first film, it's really disappointing. I agree. I, I agree totally. But I I still I guess maybe it just speaks to my my relationship with M Night Shyamalan films is that I'm disappointed, but I don't hate it as much as I thought I I might or I thought I could or as much as you do. I guess because I think you have more of a a love for him than I. These I, days. I don't have a love for him. I don't have a love for him at all, actually. Okay. But I acknowledge that he is capable of making decent films from time to time. Sure. It's just that you have to suffer through really awful ones, I think. And I, I named him already, you know. Yeah. You know, so I, I respect his body of work that he's put in, but he is far from my favorite filmmaker. I don't like his flourishes. I don't like his instincts. I don't oftentimes like his motives. <laughs> I think his <laughs> motives are crappy sometimes. Mm. He takes liberties with his characters that don't make any sense. He doesn't respect the idea of a character arc. He'll just bend Not it. Not in this film, that's for sure. Yeah, he'll just bend it as he pleases to fit the moment. Or as you've made a point, which I think is a valid point that you bring to the table, that I wonder if a lot of this is just budget restraint. Yeah. He just didn't have money to make it a more fleshed out thing. But some of that is his fault for making crappy movies. They don't trust him anymore. Yeah. So maybe this is out of his system. Maybe he'll get back to doing something interesting again. Well, he turned out, he turned down a lot of big films early on. He was the next Spielberg, remember? Yeah. There was a, well, I forget what magazine, but that was the cover. The next Spielberg when Signs was coming out. And people just don't understand. There is no next Spielberg. No, there isn't. <laughs> 
and it's probably the worst thing they could have said about him. <laughs> Both for audience expectations and perhaps to his own ego. Absolutely. Anywho, well, this has been a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, check out our website, disagreepodcast.com. We're on the Facebook. We are on the iTunes slash Apple Podcast app. We're on the Google Play Music Store. We will talk at you next week, folks. Peace and chicken grease. Bye-bye. Like, I don't know if you know the film, but in, in this thing, this woman who's estranged from her parents decides to send her children there almost as like a olive branch to spend some time with the grandparents. Mm-hmm. And then they go, the kids go and meet the grandparents, and they're sort of Norman Rockwell type of grandparents. Yeah, like lame old people. Yeah, some lame old people, and they're kind of interested, and then they start seeing weird things and crazy things, and then the crazy things get real crazy. And then there's just a great scene at the end of the film where uh, they're, they're looking on a laptop, and then they and they're saying, yeah. <laughs> that was a great scene, and a, and a good film. Good film. Really good film. All right. Well, you ruined the movie for me. Well, you're never going to see it. I, I might have. No, you're not. You're not a you're not a circle back kind of guy. You're sure. more of a you're more of a you're dead to me and you leave it dead. You know, well, so, no, I'm, I leave it dead if I'm like openly hostile to the idea of you're seeing openly it. hostile to I was seeing not openly my... hostile to the idea of seeing the visit. Like I'm not openly hostile to seeing devil either. Have I have seen it. No. How long ago has that been? I, I don't know. Like Ten years ago. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's been a decade. So. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't mean I won't see it. I mean, yeah, come on. But there are movies I'm openly hostile to, and I, I will not see... What was I most angry about recently? I don't know. So, so many. Every now and then you say, hey, let's see that, and I'm like, no. No, you do that a lot. I won't do it, and sometimes you make me see it anyway, and then I'm even angrier. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad move for me. It's a bad trait for me as well. I'll admit that. Uh, but in any case...